Hello, and welcome to the How to Make a Podcast podcast. My name is Casey Ruff from Boundless Body LLC, and I am the host of Boundless Body Radio. Before October of 2020, I was not a podcaster. Now, I have recorded hundreds of episodes featuring incredible guests, created tons of helpful content, and have consistently generated thousands of downloads every month since I began. I'm just a regular dude trying to share a message, and now I'm ready to show you my process, my successes and failures, and everything I've learned along the way to help you start your own podcast. Together, we'll explore the entire process of having a podcasting idea and take it all the way to publishing your first episode and explore all the steps in between. Then, I'll give you all the tools that you will need so you can record as many episodes that you want to release after that. Podcasting is one of the most enriching skills I've ever added to my life, and I've learned a ton by talking with some of my heroes and sharing it with anyone who wants to join us on our journey. So, sit back, grab a notebook, take some notes, and welcome to the How to Make a Podcast podcast. Hello, hello. This is Casey Ruff, and welcome to episode 20 of season two. Today, we are speaking with Jack Held. Jack is a prolific podcaster and content creator across many platforms and has created literally thousands of podcasts, radio ads, and other forms of audio and visual content. He is the host of many podcasts, including Stay Off My Operating Table with Dr. Philip Ovedia, which I was fortunate enough to be hosted on for episode 19 of season two. Jack Held, welcome to the How to Make a Podcast podcast. Thank you, Casey. Good to be here. It's such an one honor. Brief, one brief modification. Healed. Healed. Ah, I was going to ask. I'd listened That's to your okay. name. I'd listened to your name so many times today. I knew I was going to second guess it and get it wrong. <laughs> Don't you hate it when our brains do that? Oh, totally. Oh, uh, how many how many podcast introductions I've goofed up over the years is pretty astounding. And one of the funny things is we do everything live, so the music yeah. the music that's playing for our introductions is is it's already going in the background on my end, and so I can't edit anything that's in our intro or outro when we're doing our main oh. show. I'm fully committed. That's that's why I don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I definitely noticed that that has been a limitation, um, and it's interesting to explore other ways of doing things. Going fully live makes things convenient, but yeah, I'm a little bit trapped in. So here's the plan. The difference between TV and live theater. Both have their, their pluses <laughs> that's and right. minuses. Yeah, that's right. That's a really good point. Uh, the purpose of us bringing you on the show is for you to talk nonstop about anything you like for our entire episode. You have the best voice ever. You could read Shakespeare. You could tell us some updates about the Stanley Cup playoffs. If you want to read us like your shopping list, you can talk about anything. <laughs> I'm just going to mute myself and just let you go. I'm not even using my good microphone. <laughs> well, you sound great. This is fun. I don't think you need one. I bought this uh, a, a really nice um, tech zone. Uh, what do they call that one? X2 Vintage, I think, is the the mic. It's a it's this company out of New York with a bunch of sound nerds who take classic microphones that get a hold of the the schematics of the classic microphones and try to recreate them with modern technology. And so I got a hold of this really, really nice mic that's a copy of a Neumann for like a quarter of what a Neumann nor normally costs. And I sound really good on that one. But my wife is working on an, on an audio book and uh, I want her talking into the really good mic. Interesting. Know? So she's using so, it now. 
So she's got the she's got the good mic in the house, and I've got the the Shure SM58 out here at the in the studio. Wow, that's awesome! Like you, you sound <laughs> great. Whatever you're talking into, you sound absolutely great. <laughs> I would so love- what. Go ahead. What 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 mic are you using there? I don't recognize it. I know I should. So I have kind of been a fan of Rode and Rode products. Yeah. So yeah. I am using the Rodecaster Pro as my mixer. Oh. So it's designed specifically that. for podcasting. What it does, I really enjoy. It has four lines in that you can do in person. There's a line that you and I are communicating through, um, you know, through just a simple auxiliary jack. Um, it can Bluetooth connect, although it's not great. It's got a soundboard on the right side, so I can put my intro, outro music. I can push different buttons for laugh tracks and clapping and all kinds of silly noises that you can put on there. Um, It's really nice. It was expensive. This was $600 to get this, but what it does is keeps everything in one area and records directly to a micro SD card. So that simplified things for me. Um, I had to invest that money because all of this was so difficult for me to figure out. I couldn't figure out audacity. I couldn't figure out some of these more complicated mixers. So I needed everything to be really simplified. And so this is the, this is the road pod mic. Um, so it's designed specifically for podcasting and then everything is optimized through the mixer for this exact microphone. So I don't have to go in and say whether I'm using a condenser because it's the same mic and mixer. Yeah. Okay. It knows what it's dealing with. That's cool. It gives me like five or six of their microphones that I can just select. And again, for me, it was more important to invest a little bit more money to make things more simple. You know, that's one of the things that uh, makes a huge difference is is good equipment, trying to get by on, on the cheap stuff. Like my mic stand here. Um, this is a Rode. I'll bet you're using the same stand I, I am. I, I tried to get by on a crappy mic stand for a while, and it was just such a constant pain in the neck. So I dropped a pretty good bundle on this uh on this Rode mic stand, but I have been thrilled with it. Yeah. It stayed right where I put it. Um, doesn't move, doesn't rattle. It's, it's a good one. Oh, okay. So enough, enough no, this is, this is why you're here. Oh. <laughs> this is why you're here. This would be a great time to ask. What, what do you think you've done this for so long? You've done so many shows, a wide variety of all kinds of different shows. What things do you think are the most important to invest in? And what things do you think are a waste of money when somebody is just getting going? Uh, the most important thing is a decent microphone cable. Um, it's really? astonishing. Yeah. It's astonishing how, how, you know, if you go to guitar center and buy their cheap ass entry level cables, as long as you plug it in and never move it, it'll be okay. But if you're a normal human being that's unplugging things and moving things around, uh, eventually those things get shorts in them and you end up with, with transient noise that you, it's impossible to track down until you go, Oh, you know, you think it's, Oh, it's my power. It's my, it's my digital audio converter. It's, it's something in my computer. It's, and it's the, these cables are something we, we just take for granted Buy good cables. You'll, you won't regret it. The, the price difference between a good cable and a bad cable in the grand scheme of things is irrelevant. On the other hand, you don't have to buy the gold plated gold shielded. I mean, I think monster is a company that, that just made a buttload of money selling a premium priced product with stuff that really doesn't get you somewhere like, like you really need to go. So buy a good quality mic, uh, uh, microphone cables and have extras. That's the other thing I've, I've learned. Wow. Well, I used to do years ago. I did a, 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 a series of, I, I 
produced and published a podcast called the OZ Expo podcast. And I did a lot of traveling to interview people. And one of the best pieces of equipment I ever bought was a Zoom H6 digital recorder. Um, it's, you know, it's the size of a, for people who are listening, uh, it's this big. <laughs> it's not very big. Uses an SD card, has six mic inputs. It's super powerful. It was expensive, but um, I didn't want to be dragging my laptop and all my gear around with me. It was, you know, I had two microphones, cables, and the H6 uh, and a bunch of batteries. And uh, it works so well that I actually do a lot of, um, I've done two audiobooks using that instead of recording in my studio direct into a uh direct into the computer i just you know throw it on the sd card and once when i'm done take it over to the computer and run it through the editor and so yeah i'm a big fan of, of that it, yeah. it's simple you don't have to be a, a sound genius to make it work so yeah yeah, no, like that's that. great advice. I, you know, my dad does television and you just kind of learn through the years, like you have to be prepared for all kinds of different contingencies. So having an extra cable, having an extra micro SD card, having whatever equipment you have, a, a, a second set of that ready to go. The cables I think is super smart because you really never know what can go wrong. I mean, this call almost didn't happen because we weren't connecting with audio. So that's a really good example. Like I have a backup um, auxiliary cable that I don't, you don't normally need to use, but I know exactly where it is when I do need it. Yep. Yep. So I'm, I'm fascinated with what, with what we were talking about before we started recording with the limits of of rationality and logic. That's been something that's been driving me for years. Um, what does it have to do with podcasting? Nothing that I can figure out, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, that my, the pod, my, my semi-occasional podcast hack Jack's brain is driven out of this, this, what I call a promiscuous curiosity. I have been promiscuously curious my entire life. I've got my mic a little hot. Are you hearing the pop that I'm hearing? I think it sounds good, but you have a much okay. more tuned ear than I do. That's a really good example. I'm not editing that out. I'm keeping it in. Yeah. Um, I, I've just, I've been promiscuously curious my whole life and that has led to, I, I know a little bit about a lot and a lot about almost nothing. Um, but it turns out it's made, it, it's giving me, given me a really good background to be a podcast host. I know enough about, all a, a bunch of things that I can talk to almost anybody and ask questions that aren't agonizingly stupid. Um, so that, so that my guests can, can riff and go and talk. So I just wanted to have a podcast where anybody whose mind I found interesting, I could, I, I had a, a good excuse to have them on and say, Hey, hack Jack's podcast, hack, hack Jack's brain podcast. And let's talk about, like with Pat Stedman, these weird past life kind of things that just, I, I uh, proof of absence is not absence of proof. Yeah. Um, that's, that's well said. Yeah. Yeah, so. that's very well said. And it's a really interesting podcast. I'm supremely jealous that you are doing it. I, if, if you told me like I had two hours to prepare for an interview about such and such topic, and you're going to interview this complete stranger about something you don't know, I would love that. I think that's super interesting to be able to deep dive into other people's content and really do that research. You, you're a tremendous host and you do a great job 
listening, which I think is a super important skill, but more than that, there's a way that you are very deliberate about your words and about the way you craft interesting questions. And I've heard a lot of podcasts, okay, like really good ones and a lot, a lot, a lot of really bad ones. And you have this very interesting way, even if it's a topic that you don't have a ton, a ton of depth in, but you can still bring that out of somebody. Can you tell us why it's so important to be so deliberate about your words and how that impacts the quality of the podcast episode? We live in a time when we are inundated with language, with words. And so much of it is delivered in a reactionary mode and, and without any kind of thought. Our brains are constructed in such a way that um, there's this region on the left side of the brain called the called Broca's area. That's literally the name. It was found by identified by this doctor named Braca. And the, the apparent function of Braca is to filter out from our consciousness the expected. It, it only allows through our consciousness through to the part of our awareness that goes, oh, look, there's something, things that are unexpected. This is actually a very important function in the brain. I realize it doesn't sound like I'm answering your, your question, but I promise you, I will get there. Um, this is a really important function of the brain because even, even in the most primitive environments, our eyes, ears, nose, skin, all our, our, our senses are constantly being bombarded with information or with signals anyway. And if we were attempting to process all of that as if it were unique, we would have no cognitive space to do the important stuff. And so over, over the, the eons that this human brain evolved, and I realize I'm engaging in speculation now, but go with it. Um, our brains evolved in such a way to filter out the stuff that, that is expected and unimportant. So it never gets to the, to the, to gets to our, our consciousness. The problem with most communication in most situations, be that verbal or visual is you can guess what's coming next all the time. And so Broca's area kicks in and just filters it out and it doesn't register. So it, when, I'm, when I'm listening to someone speak, I work really hard to really pay attention to what they're saying. Um, and there's, I can tell you, I, I learned that skill over a long time. I wasn't born with that. Um, and I don't recommend that folks use the way I learned it to learn it. That's another story. Um, but I'm also aware of of the fact that people turn off the expected. The unexpected, however, something that, that we didn't see coming, that we didn't anticipate, um, that comes to our consciousness. And when we're listening to a podcast, I want people to continually hear things they weren't expecting. And so I have to, you know, reverse engineer a situation. Okay, what is going to be unexpected here? I have no, I personally know I'm not going to hear, I'm not going to know what my, my guest is going to say. Um, but if I, if I serve them a softball question, I'm probably going to get a really predictable answer. So 
let's provide questions that that trigger thought on the part of the whoever I'm interviewing, interviewing, so that their response will be interesting. Um, I'm in 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 real life. I am a marketing consultant. Uh, I write a lot of marketing material, emails, radio commercials, uh, uh, you know, website copy, and you know, particularly with things like like radio and email, things that somebody can easily ignore. I I have developed a, a way to to not be ignored. I sent an email campaign out last week for a client that got an almost 50% open rate. Wow. That is unheard of. And yet, you know, I can show you my statistics and I'm not, by the way, I'm not hawking myself as an email person, but it's just part of what I have to do. Um, I consistently get open rates well over 30% because I know how to write a subject line that people will read and, and go, Oh, What's that? It gets through Broca's area into the consciousness and and provokes uh, a response. So there's the <laughs> there's how I got there. <laughs> I listen closely, and I have I've got a long history of having to learn how to truly listen to what somebody's saying, and a professional training um, to learn how to ask questions and frame statements in a way that that provoke engagement rather than a knee-jerk response. That's so interesting. If somebody wanted to get better at that, what tips and tricks would you give them outside of the fact of like when somebody's talking, don't just start thinking about your response. Be, be present and actually listen to that person. What other tips and tricks would you give a podcast host to get better at that skill? Wow. Um, I, I, I will tell you how I did it. Um, be married to a woman with a, um, personality disorder for a long time and, uh, go through years of psychological torture (laughs) (laughs) and attempting, attempting to understand this. Um, yeah, that's how I did it. Um, it's, it was through a lot of pain. So how do you, how do you learn to listen? That's a hard one, Casey. Um, if you're, if you have a brain that works fast, like I do, it's so easy to, to jump to conclusions. Um, and that's, and that's the last thing you want to do if you're hosting a podcast and interviewing somebody. Um, don't jump to conclusions. Mm. If, if you want to have an engaging conversation, if you're an ideologue and are trying to make a point, you don't have to because you're just there to rant. But if you really want to have an, a conversation, uh, you know, I think about uh, one of the things that Jordan Peterson talks about, and I think it's in 12 Rules for Life. Um, he said, take the attitude that every person you, you speak with has something to teach you, something you can learn from. And if you assume that walking in, this guy knows something I don't know that I probably need to know. 
it helps the listening skills because all of a sudden you have you have skin in the game you have a reason to listen i'm a student he's a teacher what is it he has to teach me that i really need to know and i'll tell you this you know the podcast that that you were on last week um stay off my operating table with dr philip ovadia has been amazing for me because guest after guest after guest including you has has been bringing things that that i didn't know that affect my life that i can i actually have information that if i act on it make a positive difference in my life and uh you know i literally as as phil's guests are talking i regularly go wow and i'm not it's not feigned it's it's real i'm fascinated by the stuff that people that that, that they bring to us and my my natural reaction is wow that is so cool wow i was actually going to ask you that question i it's so interesting that you brought that up i assume that you're hired obviously to do the podcast host the podcast there must be some time type of production so you're you're, you're hired to do it but i could sense through our interview and through all the episodes that i've listened to so far it it sounds extremely genuine when you are interested in something and that is, that is very genuine. You're saying you're not feigning that whatsoever when these episodes are going. I'm glad it sounds genuine because it is very much. Yeah. I, um, yeah, you know, it's so cliche and I don't know the secret. I cannot unpack this for you, but people like going back to our, before we started recording, I think human beings have built-in sensors that are not measurable, that aren't really quantifiable, that you can't take into a laboratory and go, oh, there it is. But I think we have these sensors um, where we just know when somebody's bullshitting us. We might not know it in our consciousness, but we know it in our gut. And, you know, Joe Rogan basically could, could run for king of the world and win. He's a comedian. Why is he so widely respected? Because he sits down with people and is honest. And we know it. We feel it. We feel that Rogan is, he's not bullshitness when he, when he agrees or disagrees with somebody. It's coming from an absolutely authentic place. And I think that makes it, uh, that's not the only ingredient, obviously, but but lacking that ingredient, uh, I don't think you've got a chance. I really don't. I think, especially in the West, especially in the English-speaking world, that is just flooded with sound and images and noise, our bullshit detectors are very highly attuned. And I I think if you start bullshitting, I think there's a part of the brain that's probably the bullshit detector area that gets immediately flicked on and nothing else gets through. Yeah. I, I just. Wow. Let's all go back and relive 2020 and prove that to be absolutely true. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and, 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 you know, the, the more we're exposed to it, 
I don't think we get less sensitive to it. I'm, I'm not sure the bullshit detector is on a rheostat. I think it's just an on-off switch. And if it gets flicked on, it's just on. Mm. And anything so, after that, when that switch gets flipped on, is automatically dismissed in a way? You lose credibility. Yeah. And I'm not talking about lying. I'm, I'm absolutely... Yeah, that's a whole nother, that's a whole nother issue. Lying is a whole nother thing. I'm just talking about bullshit when you're, when you're kind of pretending to be more than you are or better than you are or, um, interested when you're not, I think people can tell. Yeah. And I, 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 I'll tell you, I'm, I'm really grateful. I had no intention of doing as many episodes of stay off my operating table with Phil as we're doing originally, I was just going to be behind the scenes. I was just going to produce and, and publish the the podcast. I wasn't going to be on, uh, on camera on Mike. Uh, but Phil's a cardiac surgeon. He's, this is not his in his wheelhouse. And we were, we did a couple of three pilot episodes. And I, I said, Phil, this is, this is not working buddy. And he said, yeah, I know. And because we're friends and I like him and I want him to succeed, I thought, you know, I'll help him. I'll be his training wheels and get him started here. Um, and then I'll be able to go on and do other things. That was a year ago. And here we are 50 episodes into this and I am just having a ball. Um, all these people that talk to him and I'm, you know, I just get to be a fly on the wall in these conversations. It's, yeah, it's a, it's a blessing. I just, I love getting to be exposed to people like this. I, I'd otherwise probably, frankly, I really wouldn't even be interested in otherwise, but it's like this whole realm has been, has been opened to me and I could go on and on. I'm good at ranting. <laughs> <laughs> That's why we have you on. It's funny. Um, in, in my, you know, the low carbohydrate world, there was a trial. It was actually four years ago today that it came to a conclusion where um, a doctor in, oh, gee, South Africa, uh, Tim Noakes, was exonerated um, after he had a tweet that said a mother should um, wean her. It, it would be okay for a mother to wean her child off of breast milk and onto normal foods, including meat and milk. And, and they came after him big time. And there was this huge trial. And it was so funny because the, the the defense was eating their normal diet and they were like getting tired. I'm sorry, not the defense, excuse me, not Tim Noakes' defense, but the prosecution was, was eating their normal diet. They were getting tired in the afternoons. They didn't have very good energy where Tim Noakes' team was all eating low carbohydrate. They did great. They had tons of energy. They would come after these guys in trial. And so many of the defense or the prosecution eventually were like, hey, what's this low carbohydrate stuff? And it ended up being that a lot of people ended up changing their lives because of the trial. It's Similar to your situation, it sounds like. I love it. I, <laughs> I, yeah. Well, um, Phil, he didn't. He didn't tell me to do this. But after I don't know how many episodes, I asked him one day. I said, uh, "Oh, I remember what it was. We had a, we had an episode that was how to eat metabolically healthy on five different popular diets, and it was keto, carnivore." Atkins. I don't remember what all they were, uh, but he's carnivore and I was familiar with carnivore. I grew up in Oklahoma eating fresh beef. 
I don't feel good if I don't have beef in my body. It's yeah, it's that's how I'm wired. I do not apologize for it. Um, and whenever anybody asks me what my favorite food is, the answer is easy. It's steak. I would, I love steak. I just, I, you know, for very, for variation, when I'm get tired of steak, I have hamburger. When I get tired of hamburger, I have roast. And when I get tired of roast, I'll have steak. Um, you know, I, I have a well-balanced diet, but uh, I never thought, I never really seriously considered doing carnivore because I had all these questions about it, you know, and, and you know, all the questions. So I asked Phil, I said, well, so how long have you been carnivore? This was six months ago, more than six months ago. He said, well, about two and a half years. And my eyes got really big. I, I had no idea. And you've met Phil. I mean, he's healthy as a horse. He's crazy. Um, so he's been, he's been mostly carnivore for over three years now. And it just inspired me. I said, okay, I'm going to try this. I'm going to. Uh, so first of the year, I, I went full carnivore for about a month. Um, and I saw some changes in my body that I really liked. I enjoyed it. Um, and then I fell off the bandwagon, you know, the, the, the drill. Um, and I guess probably six weeks ago I went, yeah, I just like feeling this way. <laughs> and so I'm, uh, I, I will have some blueberries now and then. And, uh, my wife loves tomatoes and onions with mozzarella. So I eat more mozzarella than tomatoes and onions. Um, but otherwise I'm just eating animal products and, you know, guess what happens? Energy is up. Don't get the afternoon crunch. Um, and you, I can go on and on and on. I, this is not the podcast to talk about that. But, <laughs> no, that's one so of my, I'm real pleased. That's great. It's, you know, it's because of Phil. That's great. Wow. No, I, we talk about this all the time on this show. I, I did this show hoping that somebody interested in podcasting might hear some helpful tips and tricks with their health along the way. I was hoping that there would be some crossover there. So I really appreciate you sharing that. And that, that has definitely been my experience with carnivore as well. I feel and I basically did it about the same time, wanted to do it like you for 30 days and see how I felt and just loved it so much. I never got off of it. And at full circle, guess how I heard about it and thought it was absolutely bonkers was through Joe Rogan. Joe Rogan having an honest conversation with somebody who was doing it and asking great questions, pressing him on certain things, which I think is really important, and and having that conversation completely changed my life. So I, I think it was a really valid point what you said about Joe Rogan earlier. Well, and it's honestly, it's a valid point about being honest. Here's an interesting uh, little thought experiment you can engage in, and I encourage everyone who hears this to do this. When you're watching TV or a movie, when you're watching some, some sort of show, fictional show, watch how many lies are woven into the plot. I have noticed, at least in our culture, almost every work of fiction revolves around a big lie. Somebody told a lie, somebody got caught in a lie, somebody tries to get out of the lie, somebody tries to recover from the, the consequences of the lie. Um, 
it's horrifying and not telling the truth lying engaging in deception has become so common and so accepted that even our entertainment revolves around lies and and we don't ever seem to learn the lesson that lying has consequences that nobody wants. We all seem to understand innately lying has consequences, but what we don't understand is we can't avoid the consequences. It is impossible. You, you cannot bend the fabric of reality and not expect reality to snap back. And reality is bigger than you are. Um, I'm, I am passionate about, about this in particular. Um, what this has to do with making a podcast, but you know, for me, the journey toward absolute honesty was brutally painful um, and absolutely worth it. Um, I like myself now a lot. I, I refuse to engage in any kind of deception whatsoever, um, either by what I say or don't say, what I do or don't do. There's, you know, there's four categories of lying and uh, I won't participate in any of them. And it, as it turns out, the, the, the payback from not, from refusing to engage in any form of deception for me is I really like me. I'm really okay with me. I have flaws and foibles and quirks um, that I, I came from the factory with these, but deception is a choice. It's, it's not a, it, 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 it's not a factory installation. It's an aftermarket product. And I made the decision to, to get rid of it. And, um, I really, really like my life as a result. I like me. I like my life. I know that I'm not, I'm not bandwidth devoted in my brain to keeping track of who I've told what quick little story about that. Um, before I met my wife, my now wife, uh, it'll be two this month that we met. I was, I'd gotten really serious about meeting my mate. Um, I can remember in April of 2020, I'd been single for a while and dated a lot and, I never seemed to have difficulty getting a female companion if I wanted one, but I realized that I wanted my one and only, and I wanted to be a one and only. And I said that out loud. And uh, one of my dear friends said to me, well, you know, if you're serious about, if you're really serious about that, she, she says, where, where are you looking for, for, for women? And I told her it was tender and uh, bumble, which is, she says, if you want to meet quality women, you got to go to eHarmony. So I went on eHarmony and I started meeting some quality women. And uh, I made a promise to myself that I would not date just one woman at a time because I have a tendency to fall in love. I like people. I particularly like women. And if I was only dating one, I knew I would get more serious than I needed to. And so I, but I knew I couldn't handle more than two. So I was, okay, I'm going to date 
two and no more. It's a narrow window. <laughs> well, that would keep me from falling in love with one of them, you know? And uh, so I, I ended up meeting two different women and, and dated both of them and enjoyed both of them. And, but there came a moment where I was like, who have I told what? And it wasn't that I was not, that I was, I was lying or telling stories. It was just, I was just sharing my life and I'd tell Kristen something and then I'd be with Liz and I, I, did I tell Liz or did I tell Kristen who, what does she know? And what does she not know? And the, the, the cognitive load of trying to remember which one of them I told what story, true story. I wasn't deceiving anybody. It was just, all of a sudden, I've got two people I'm trying to to have an intimate conversation with, and I don't want to bore one because oh, you told me that, and I don't want to assume she's heard it when she hasn't. So I got to, and I just that's when I went, oh man, I I cannot do this, um, and that's when I that's when I met my my now wife, and I knew from the moment I met her. <laughs> I love that. I, I told her uh, it was June 28th. She's going to love listening to this episode. <laughs> uh, I, it was June 20th, 2020. Uh, we talked on the phone for the first time after exchanging a brief set of emails or uh, messages. We talked on the phone for, I want to say, four hours the first night. When I woke up the next morning, I knew I was off the market permanently. Wow. I knew. Wow. You know, are you familiar with Mark Manson? relationship expert of course he's he's got this i think his most famous his most popular article is called fuck yes or no yep. i apologize yep. but um and 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 he the way he explains it is when you're trying to figure out if a person is right for you you're dating somebody is this is this the right person for me to be with right now the answer is either fuck yes or it's no. And I'd read that, I don't know, years and years ago. Um, and thought, oh yeah, this is really, this is really good. And I dated a whole lot of women that the answer was not fuck yes. It was, oh yeah, I really like them. It wasn't until I met my wife that my my now wife, it wasn't until I met her that I even understood what he meant because the response of my heart to that woman was absolutely ambiguous was zero question, zero reservation, zero concern, thing hold, holding back. Everything in me said, go. And I never had that happen until her. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. Thank you for sharing that. I still remember that article before I came across his book. He had written that article, and I, I remember that. And I, I kept it on my phone for a very long time because it really hit me in a different way. Oh and I just I, – I love, I love your life and your life experiences and everything you've done and experience and how you're able to share that, not only as a host – and the skill of listening and asking interesting questions, but also as a guest to tell a story, not just share facts, but, but make it interesting for the listener. And I think there's a lot of gems in this conversation that most podcasters would, would learn a lot from. And I really hope oh, they do. How 
so nice. <laughs> I mean it, man. I, I've been interviewed on podcasts and I, you know, I've, I've done now a lot of podcasts and I really love it and I enjoy it. And I try to learn from all kinds of different people. It's a selfish reason why I do this to begin with. And there, there's, there's really not great communicators and really not great podcast hosts out there. And, and you as a host made me feel very welcome, made me feel heard and made me feel like my content was interesting. But also again, as a guest sharing this information in it, in a way that's interesting, tied in with your life as a story. There's a lot there for people to learn and I really appreciate it. I know you have to end this podcast so you can go do another podcast. Seems to be the yep. story of your life. Got a podcast. Oh, so you good can go Lord. Podcast Look at the podcast. <laughs> but Jack healed. Uh, uh, did I get your last name right? You did. Yeah, good. Jack Hill, thank you so very much for taking the time to be on the show. We really appreciate you. We appreciate your work. How can people find you and connect with you and your work? Uh, probably the simplest way is uh, any one of my websites. Jackheal.com uh, has uh, a portfolio of my work on it. 38adams.com is my podcasting platform where I have some of my stuff. Um, and then cultyourbrand.com dot com, which is uh, the basically my my marketing consulting work that I do, um, and then follow me on Twitter at Jack Yield Five. Apparently, there are four others. I tried to get a lower number, but all they had was Jack Heald 5. So that's hilarious. There you go. That's hilarious. <laughs> One of our podcast guests on Boundless Body um, saw he wanted he wanted his name one, and his name one was taken, so it had to be his name two, but it was an inactive account. So he was so pissed at this guy, and he kept writing him messages like, asshole, like, you're not using your account. Why can't I use this account? And it wasn't until years later that he realized it was him that was set him. up <laughs> initially <laughs> linked to some old email address. So he was like, oh, I guess this is my... <laughs> I wonder if that's me. Maybe that might be my problem. Asshole. <laughs> Jack Hill, oh, thank you so very much for doing this. We really appreciate, appreciate you Thanks, and your Thanks, Casey. It was a blast. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the How to Make a Podcast podcast. If you enjoyed the episode, please leave us a rating and review on Apple. Also, be sure to check out the show that made all of this possible, Boundless Body Radio, where we provide tons of helpful and informative content, feature incredible guests, and talk all about health and wellness. Cheers, and thank you for joining us on the How to Make a Podcast podcast.